Welcome to the X Podcast, episode seven, which is crazy. Episode seven. Hope you've had an amazing Thanksgiving. So to everybody watching, I don't know what you did this Thanksgiving. Maybe you can drop it in the chat. If you didn't get to check out our last podcast, go back and check it out. Share it and uh, whatever platform you are viewing from. We are so excited you're with us. Just a reminder, we do this live at noon every Wednesday, and then on Fridays, it drops to YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, everywhere where podcasts are delivered. Is that even a thing? I don't know. But we're so glad that you are along for the ride with us as we try to figure out this crazy thing called life and get better at it along the way. And today, have two more special guests, and I am so excited because today we're gonna to dive into a really, really exciting, necessary, painful, tricky, exhausting subject, exhausting <laughs> subject called parenting. Yes. And so if you guys are ready, I'm just gonna teach you what I know. And you know <laughs> I'm so ready. I can't wait. <laughs> I am just kidding, but I'm so excited because I got two more of my favorite people with me. We got Jesse James McCoy. Mm, that is my full name. <laughs> I have called you that so long, that's not even your name, is it? It's not. All right. What's your middle name? Can we say Mitchell? Jesse Mitchell like McCoy. That is. I love That's a nice that. Name. James works too. James works too. Jesse James is a cool guy. He is a really both cool of them. Guy. Wait. Wasn't there more than one? I thought there was. A, yes, there's a girl singer, right? There's a girl yes. singer, and yeah. then there is a a western uh, gunslinger. That's right. That's right. And then, the, then but then was, the West Coast custom chopper guy. Yes, that's the that, one. That makes yeah, motorcycles. That's the only one I know, know about him. So there's three. I am a pretty famous motorcycle guy. But we have Jesse and uh, several things uh, about Jesse that are really amazing. Um, number one, one of the first people I got to know when I moved to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, for, for both of the guests today, one of the reasons that we have them on is not only because they are parents and not only because they're awesome parents, but because their role in their career has to do with families and children. So they bring a lot of experience, a lot of expertise. Jesse, I'm going to let you talk about yourself in just a moment, but Jesse has been in youth ministry for four, five mm-hmm. years. Yeah, four years. And time. again, even though this isn't necessarily a church podcast, we are coming from the, con- from the context of we are followers of Jesus. We work at a church. And so, full disclosure, and Jesse is our next-gen pastor. That's fancy language for he oversees everything next generations, the operations and ministries of birth to kids, middle school, high school, eventually college. I don't know. We're just speaking into the future. And he has got a two-year-old named Milo, who is one of the cutest little boys in the world. My favorite birthday video was him and Sarah sent a video of Milo saying, Happy birthday, Pastor Russ. And Aww. I melted and teared up a little bit, but I won't admit that. Okay. Then we have Becca Hi, Dawson. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, we asked Becca if she wanted a coffee today, and she said that she stopped drinking coffee at 8 a.m. Yes. Which is when most people wake up. Right. Yeah. So what does that even mean? Uh, so speaking of go-getter, okay. uh, Becca Dawson has, uh, she wanted us to bring this up. She has her <laughs> master's degree. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. And she oversees kids ministry at our church, and uh, she has 
two children. Mm -hmm. She has Ren, yeah. another heart stealer. Yes. She, not to brag, has drawn pictures for me before. Yes. And I uh, still have them. And uh, she's eight years old. She just turned eight yesterday. Just turned eight she's yesterday. Eight going on 18. Will she be watching yes. this? She might be watching this, we yeah. Can, should we sing happy birthday to her? No. No, okay. <laughs> and then we have Cage, who is 11 years old. Yes. And uh, in your role here, yep. you oversee kids' ministry, but you also have another job where you literally teach teachers field yes. of services at yeah. Capital University. Yeah, field supervisor, yeah. Field so supervisor. So I oversee uh, student teachers in their last semester. They're ready to head out into the field. They're student teaching, and they'll be up-and-coming teachers in the very near future, so I oversee them. So Wow. Yeah, so no I always deal. say that my I, I have worked with kids since I wasn't a kid. Mm. That's how long I've worked with kids. So they're wow. definitely my passion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and I just have to say this, you know, I, I'm not a parent, uh, but over my life, I've tried to take notes from people that in my mind, you know, did youth ministry a whole lot of years and being around families and observing people that I'm like, I want to be a parent like them. And I see the fruit of their kids. And you two, uh, you know, I told you this before the podcast, are people that in my mind, not that this is the goal, but you make parenting look effortless. And you're both incredible parents. Thank you. And you're people that I know I'm excited to learn from today. And I know we've had, by the way, uh, this is also probably a moment of reckoning because rumor has it, we have had some ladies and some parents say, we need to have some female power on this podcast. Mm. So welcome, Thank Becca, you. to that. It is long overdue. So am I the first? You're the first. Oh, okay. You're the first and the last. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you, uh, so we're so excited to have you on here. And man, what a topic. Mm -hmm. And what uh especially in 2020 yeah. where all the, the pain and the, the complications and complexities of parenting are highlighted. But I, I've probably spoiled some of your self introduction, but uh, Jesse, what, what do people need to know about you, your role, who you are? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so yeah, you said it. Uh, I mean, a big part of what I, uh, what I do is next gen pastor. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big part of my identity, but what I always tell people of like all the things that I get to be, is, you know, I get to be a pastor, I get to be a husband, I get to be, you know, an epic Call of Duty player, you know, like <laughs> all this stuff. My favorite thing that I get to be is a dad. Oh, um, and so I'm pumped to talk about today's topic. Um, but yeah, a little bit about me. Born and raised in Lancaster, Ohio. Come on. My one claim to fame is I lived in L.A. for a teeny tiny what? little bit. It's no big deal. I'll tell you about it later. And you were, um, and you were in a band. Uh. I was in a band. You can dig deep into my Facebook profile and find some of those pictures if you need a good laugh. Um, YouTube? Uh, there might be some YouTube. Mm. That's also not, I'm a YouTube star. So well, you are. I yeah. Can, you run the vlogs for yeah. our youth. And yeah. I do a mean, um, YouTube intro. So I'll teach you that later. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Becca, actually over quarantine, we made YouTube videos for our kids and Becca made some of the best. Oh, I saw yeah, that. They were that fun. was so good. They were fun. I that was those. so good. So yeah, I mean, live in Lancaster, lived in Lancaster my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, love sports. Uh, love video games. Mm -hmm. What sport? You don't love sports. I do love sports. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was a joke too. Which... It was. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, what was your band you know, name? Sorry. I do like basketball though. You do? Okay, yeah. yeah. To watch or Same. to play? This um, is news to both. me. Okay. Mm. I don't love it. No, that was a joke. What's, what's your game? Or what's your team? My team right now mm -hmm. is the Lakers. The Lakers? Lakers. Okay. I'm, wherever Sorry. LeBron goes, I'm following. I got you. I'm okay. that guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Amazing. That's about it. Becca. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't really have any claims to fame. Um, mm. 
you just introduced my kids, Cage and Wren, um, and of course, wife to Ian is a, an amazing role that I have also. And uh, born and raised, actually, I was not born in Ohio. I was born in Michigan, but I was told I think I was in Michigan for maybe three days. Mm. And then we moved back okay. to Ohio. So I've been in Ohio okay. my whole life. Um, of course, I have to bring up that I do CrossFit. Yes, you do you CrossFit. You wanted me to bring that up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not I, to brag. I dragged it out of you. <laughs> okay. uh, you do CrossFit. I guess. <laughs> and uh, something tells me that you are amazing, CrossFitter. Um, no. Have you won I, awards? Uh, no, gosh. No. Are you as good as me? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you guys should have a CrossFit contest. I, should we do it? Like, Is first one to clean this table. Yeah. I will not arm wrestle you. You will beat me. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, tell us, how did you get into CrossFit? Um, truthfully, it was something I, I had wanted to do, to do for a long time. I've always enjoyed working out, running and stuff. And I wanted to try it, but it, it, it is a little intimidating to try out at first. Mm -hmm. But actually, a friend of mine bought me a gift card for a month free CrossFit. And then the rest is history. I was hooked. So I used the gift card and just stayed with it. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And you were ragging on me for me not doing it lately. So Right. Well, when you set your alarm for 520 <laughs> and then you... We're very, very proudly said you got up at 6.06. I did. <laughs> but I Come didn't on. do CrossFit. Okay, so let's, let's dive into this. Uh, in my mind, uh, the unsung heroes of 2020 are nurses and parents. And, uh, teachers. And teachers. Yeah. And teachers. I'm so sorry. Um, but Shout out to teachers. Yes. I love teachers. Yes. And our parents are teachers. Yeah. Um, True. So I, let's just start off with, I, I think one of the things that, that stands out to, in my mind about you two is... And anything in life, you, you can kind of wing it. And in a way, I, I assume parenting, especially with your first kid, is kind of like an experiment. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't, oh, yeah. you can't, like, I've read books. Cause one day, I would love to be a parent. I'd love to be a good parent. But I kind of have a feeling that a lot of the book gets thrown out once oh, yeah. life hits. And, uh, and so one of the things I've noticed about you two, though, is I feel like you don't just, you are two of the most intentional people I know. And I feel like you bring that intentionality into parenting and that you actually parent with a purpose and you, you parent with intention. And so, I don't know, I just want to throw it out to you. What does that look like? When you think of parenting, when you think of healthy parenting, when you think of intentional parenting, and maybe even from your roles in kids and in ministry, you, you get a front row seat, not, mm -hmm. not in a judgmental way, but you get to, because you're, you're invested in the lives of kids yeah. and teenagers. And so you can't do that without observing patterns, without mm -hmm. observing some healthy things, some unhealthy things. And so, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. What, what stands out in your mind immediately when you think of that? Yeah, I think um, I love what you just said about, like, how you can read books before you become a parent. Like, um, actually, I only read one book because I'm not a big reader. Um, but a friend of mine named Mike that lives in Connecticut sent me a book called Welcome to the Club, Daddy, right <laughs> before Milo was born. And it was really short. And basically it said that, it was a book saying that basically books are not going to help you when it's two o'clock <laughs> well, in the morning dang it. True. and baby's not sleeping. Yeah. It's hungry. You can't figure out why it's crying and you're a first time parent. You have absolutely no idea what to do and you're losing your mind. Mm. Um, it, books are out the window at that point. Um, so it is a lot of thinking on your feet, figuring it out. Um, and especially if you know, you're married or co-parenting, like working together as a team or having some sort of support unit. Mm. But um, yeah, you can have a plan. Like parenting is a, the, like of all the things we'll probably talk about, like it's, it's on a spectrum mm. of parents that are going to be really, really loosey goosey, go with the flow and parents that are going to be really, really 
you know, strict. We have their day planned down to the minute. And I think everybody's got to find in every element of parenting, like where is your spot yeah. mm-hmm. as a parent that works mm-hmm. for you, your family dynamic, um, and for your kid. Because, I mean, yeah. I have one kid right now, but another one on the way. Yeah. And, I mean, Can we say the name? Yeah, his name's going to be Cooper. Come on. Aww. Welcome, Cooper. Yeah, we'll have Milo Kent and Cooper Dean. When's he do? Uh, the end of March. Congrats. Um, and then we are done. <laughs> Two was the compromise. I wanted one. Mm. Um, but I was overruled. Um, but yeah, so, like, all kids are a little different. All parents are a little bit different. So understanding, first of all, that what works for one parent may not work for you. Mm. Um, and what works for you may not work for another parent. Yeah. Um, everything's on a spectrum, and it is very much trial and error well, with everything. What was one thing that surprised you the most as a new parent? What was one thing that maybe you're like, I expected this to be this way, mm-hmm. but oh, man, this did not? Um, I think each phase has kind of surprised me. So hmm. the newborn phase was so much harder really, than I thought it, was, uh, thought it would be. It was... Uh, I literally, this is going to sound stupid to every parent out there, but I didn't know I wasn't going to sleep a lot. Mm. Like, (laughs) I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know that literally when they say they have to get up and eat every two hours, that means nighttime too. That means midnight, two o'clock, four o'clock. And Mm. if it's, you know, you're waking up then. It's not just, oh, let me roll over, hit the snooze button. It's, oh no, I have to wake up, make sure I'm feeding the baby the right way. Mm. Um, that was way harder than I thought. And then you have to maintain a normal life during the day. It's not like you sleep all day. Mm-hmm. It's the baby has to continue to do that. And then especially if you're a working parent, yeah, you got to go to work too yeah. and not let that slip. Yeah. So that was really hard. Um, the like toddler phase, which we're kind of, mm-hmm. we're in still, but like when they start walking, that was way more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, you know, like when they start walking and they start like, I don't know. You can really tell that they're recognizing you and they get excited when you come home. And That's cool. uh, that, That's awesome. that was like so much more of a big deal. Hmm. Like when Milo would start reaching for me, like when I come home, like, oh my goodness. That's, there's nothing like that. You can't experience that, anything like that in the world outside of parenting. That uh, makes me like, that makes me melt when kids that aren't my kids do that. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble one day. If, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Back up. Yes. Especially if you have a little girl. <laughs> Uh, oh, the girls with the pink uh, and the buzz. I can't. Okay. Um, okay. I, I want to hear from you. Yeah. What you think of... Intentional. When you think of intentional parenting and just, I don't know, things you've observed that you've noticed that you've like, man, I think this would be helpful. But first, uh, kind of related to the question I asked him, what makes you laugh when people that are not parents... Oh, yeah. What, what's, the, what's the funniest thing you hear? That you don't say it, but inside you think it. When a non-parent says, when I'm a parent, I'm going to. Um, it's the food thing for me. Okay. Um, and, and I say that laughing because that was me too. Mm. Oh, I'm sure I said everything. Definitely when I hear parents say that it's, it's no sugar or no fast food, no, no McDonald's, I, I just smile and nod <laughs> like, okay. You secretly make fun of them. Yes. Okay. In my head, I'm like, okay. But I know I was that mom, too. So, yeah. and, and actually, I was probably up to having kids. So my husband and I got married, and we had a five-year plan uh, because I was very intentional, and I'm very organized and planned mm-hmm. out. And so we had this five-year plan. We're going to get married, and we won't have kids for five years. And everybody said to us, you will never follow that. Well, it was actually six. We didn't have wow. we didn't have kids for six years um, yeah. after we got married, so we followed that. And knowing you, I believe that. 
Yes. Um, in fact, so I was a full-time teacher at the time, and I said, well, what I'll do is I'll get pregnant and I'll have my child over spring break so that I can be paid from spring break all through the summer. And that actually mm. happened. He was wow. born on Good Friday Come that on. year. Hmm. So very planned out. Um, and then of the pregnancy, just one of those crazy women. I look. Oh, I just cringe thinking of myself 11 years ago. I just want to apologize now to anybody who knew me 11 years ago pregnant. And I was so planned out and I was just annoying. And then the baby came and I was like, oh, well, this is throwing me for a loop. Um, and so uh, I tried to be intentional mm -hmm. and the first year was very difficult. I found it very lonely. I don't know if any moms can, mm -hmm. can relate with me there. Something else that I also found surprising uh, becoming a new mom was the mommy wars. And I don't know if anybody's listening who understands that, but the mommy wars is a real thing. And that really threw me for a loop and uh, took me a couple years to kind of find my footing there. But mm. um, when I think of intentional parenting, I just think of, I don't think of small details. To me, small details can be flexible. When what do you, I think what do you mean? It, okay, to say, well, we'll probably have them going to bed at 8 p.m. We'll have them, it, those are very small details mm. that, that yes, that's a great goal. Mm -hmm. But when I think of intentional, I think of a little more broad. Mm -hmm. So more so as as parents, we would be saying it's really important to us that our kids get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. Now, what time they go to bed, mm -hmm. maybe they can sleep in. That and might so, vary from fam family to that, family. That could, yeah. But if the if the bigger goal is, we're just really we just really know that kids who don't get enough sleep can't function. That would be the more intention. Don't yeah. get caught up on the specifics. And so for my husband and I, we were intentional. We had like big goals, just just broad. Not, not mm. big, I'm sorry, broad. And we, through the years, we've weeded out what didn't meet that broad goal or goals. And that was our intention. Just the broad goals, mm -hmm. keep with that, raise, raise them um, from a biblical worldview, Take them to church. Those are broad goals. Mm -hmm. um, but everything else, yeah. you know. So you, you guys are kind of like your core values. But core values, how that plays yes. out, you're going to yes. be flexible. Yes. And, yeah. It's, it seems like flexibility would be a really important concept in parenting. Mm -hmm. um, let, let me ask you a question. What, what do you feel like, you know, I know that one of the things that's really important to you, too, is when you look at the emotional health of not just your kids, but the kids that you pastor, uh, the kids that you pastor, that you, you lead. And I'm just curious, like if I'm a parent, like one of the things I want to learn is how do I pass on and help develop emotional health in my kids one day? If I have kids, like what does that look like? Or if you're around kids, maybe you, maybe you don't have kids, but I think anybody watching this podcast, there's things for us to learn because there's people that may just look up to you as a father figure mm -hmm. or, a other, or a mother figure. You may be an older brother in someone's life, and I think some of these principles and these concepts can mm -hmm. still – and may, maybe to make it specific, let me ask this. What is the power and relationship of words in parenting? Because mm -hmm. I, I believe, you know, one of the verses that's near and dear to me, it, it says, is that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Mm -hmm. yes. And so I think in any relationship, but it seems to me, even as a non-parent, that this concept is probably even more powerful with kids, that how do our words shape their interior world and how they view life and, and where they go in the future? And Yeah. Um, and I think the first thing I want to say, just with like uh, the emotional health piece that you brought up, 
Um, you know, we, we say this phrase a lot when it comes to leadership, but I think the more I get into parenting, the more I see it, it's almost more true in parenting is that more is caught than taught. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, we can talk to our kids about emotional health, talk to our teenagers about handling like the pressures of social media and all that stuff. But if we as parents aren't handling it well, uh, they're, they're, everything we say is going to go one in ear and out the other, mm. and they're going to develop the same patterns and habits that we have as parents. Mm. Um, because more, they're going to catch more off of just watching us yeah. um, than actually what we teach them. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, the power of words is super important, especially as a parent. I think sometimes as parents, maybe we forget that our words are the heaviest, the heaviest words in the mm. ears of a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all can remember things that our parents said to us decades ago mm. um, because the words of a parent matter so much. Um, what are sorry, not what are what are some words? What are some words that you think frequently should be spoken to and over a child? Mm-hmm. And maybe what are some words that you believe should never be spoken? Yeah, words. I think uh, I think it's really simple: is never tell a kid what they're not. Mm. Um, uh, never. Oh, you're just not a hard worker. Mm. Oh, you're just not diligent enough. You're, never That's tell good. them what they're not. Tell yeah. them what they are. That's good. Um, you know. Oh man, you are creative. You are just, when you walk into a room, you just light it up. There's this joy about you. That's tell them what they so are. so good. Because mm-hmm. um, I think what, what we do if we tell kids, and we've all experienced this as adults, the things that people have told us we weren't when we were developing mm. through the you know, childhood and teenage years, those become the insecurities we deal with as adults. Wow. It's like, oh, well, I'm just not this enough. I'm not blah, blah, blah. Those That's things so roll good. around forever. But instead, if we can speak life and tell kids what they are and teach them to yeah, you're going to have some weaknesses, whatever. That's okay, but double down on your strengths. Mm. Double down on what you have. That's good. You know, um, what you have is much more than what you don't have, you know? That's good. So, Well, uh, one of my favorite leaders, uh, Judah Smith, he's a great speaker, but more than anything, I love what I've seen of his spirit and just his joy in his life and who he is. And he's one of those people that um, I, I really look up to. And I, I heard him talking one time in an interview. He said, he said, from as early as he can remember, his dad would tell him every single day, people like you and they want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. He would just tell him, he said, before you ever go into a room, people like you and they want to hear what you have. And he, he said, there's a little bit of a shock when he grew up and someone didn't like him. He's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, people <laughs> like me and they want to hear. But it created this capstone of like emotional health mm-hmm. that for the rest of his life, he was able to, to step into. I, I, I love that so much. What, what about you? Um, I love what Pastor Jesse said. Uh, it reminds me of kind of the phrase labels. So we put a lot, of, I, I have heard parents say this, and it can be so damaging where they say, oh, that's my lazy kid. Mm-hmm. And it's this label, and it seems to stick with them, and they are hard to work off. I mean, there, it can be not just only parents, but family mm-hmm. members. Even the story that I'm thinking of now, um, which I have no idea why I'm bringing up this story. Okay, but I'll... Let's do it. Uh, I had this, I had this birthmark on my neck. Mm. Okay, um, and I'm an identical twin, and so you I th- are. I, yeah, I am. Yes, I had this birthmark on my neck, and so this was a way that people would tell my sister's name is Gina. Gina and I apart. Becca has the birthmark, and in my head, oh, when wow. they would say Beth, Becca had the birthmark, mm. I pictured this enormous. Mole. I mean, it, it, to me, in my head, that they that they labeled me with that 
I actually got it removed. When I got old enough, oh, wow. I got it removed because I could not stand it. Wow. And that's sort of the same idea with labels. Mm. Um, you think as a parent, you're flippantly saying, that's my lazy one. And I have to catch myself sometimes too. I like to, and actually, actually Pastor Jesse has got on me about this. I like to poke fun at Wren. You know, for her, she's so talkative and clumsy and just larger than life. But Cover I, your ears, <laughs> I have to make sure that I counter that with all that, at least with counter with saying, but you know, I love that about you. Or, you know, you know this is how this can yeah. be used when you grow up. Are you kidding? God has called us to have a right. joyful expression. That's right. amazing that you're wired that way. I love um, that. And so if you could just see a picture of, of what in my head. I had mm. built up as a kid, and I know that family members were innocent about it. I know they didn't mean to differentiate me and my sister with this stupid birthmark that in right. my head was enormous and right. ugly and hideous. Right. Um, but it was so damaging to me. Mm. And so think of it that way when you're talking to a child, um, mm. especially when you're talking in front of them, uh, or if they're in earshot. Those labels stick, yeah, it's um, good. and and it, they have to do a lot of work as an adult to work yeah. those labels off. No, it's so good, and and I think you would speak to this on the flip side. You, you were not advocating. You guys aren't advocating. I'm taking myself out of it. You're not advocating that someone just speaks false hope of if they're three foot tall, they're going to be Michael Jordan. Right. What right. You, and and you're not shying away from when there's correction and discipline, but you are. You know, psychology shows the power of every positive comment versus every negative comment. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you're doing is we believe we build our worlds with our words. And mm-hmm. you're building their world day by day with the words that you speak. By speaking to who they're becoming, you're actually helping shape yeah. who they're becoming. And I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on, on this because I know a lot, a lot of these episodes deal with personal growth mm-hmm. and emotional health. But I think it may be worth just a moment to, to peek under the hood because you said something earlier about that whole thing of more is caught than taught, which at the end of the day, that really goes back to who you are. Because mm-hmm. there's, this, there's this old leader I remember from like 15 years ago said this statement. People said similar things, but you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in parenting, and again, correct me if I'm wrong as a non-parent, but I, I feel like there's probably like two things when it goes into parenting. There's number one, there's the, there's the practical like parent, parenting techniques of what you teach. But then there's the like essence of who you are in your spirit that you impart. Mm-hmm. Yep. That you that your the joy, the attributes of your spirit is going to get in their spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of goes back to like who I'm becoming matters and how I'm parenting. And I'm just curious, you don't have to peel the hood back too far more than you want to, but what what I'm just curious your journey. What does that look like for you? Yeah, um that's such a that's a deep question. Um, you hate me. No, I love you. Um, no, I just, I think what you said was so good because I think sometimes as parents, we get irritated with our kids mm. for replicating oh, wow. an attitude that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, like I see it all the time. So like I've spent a lot of time talking with teenagers and they'll, you know, They'll talk to me about, oh, my parent yelled at me about this, or they were upset at me, you know, whatever. And then it's funny that the parent will do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up being this vicious circle of the parent trying to correct a behavior that they haven't fixed in themselves yet. Wow. Yeah. And we talk about this in leadership. Leadership and parenting are actually not that different. Mm. But you can't lead people to places that you're not going. Yeah, that's um, good. So 
if you as a parent aren't willing to peek behind your own hood mm. and take a look at uh, what are the skeletons in my closet? What do I need to deal with? Mm. Then you're not going to be able to do that with your child mm. and your child's not going to be able to do that themselves. That's good. Um, so again, if there's so like just to be a little bit transparent, like I've had, um, you know, depression, anxiety stuff going on in my life, you know, two, three years ago. Um, and if, you know, let's say I had done nothing about it, just mm. ah, ignore it, whatever. I'm fine. Mm. I'm a man, you know, yeah. doing, ah, <laughs> can't do that again. No. Uh, Is that manly? One, that's, that's one time. <laughs> that's, that's what men sound like. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what I do in the mirror every morning. Like, all right. Yeah. But like, if I had ignored it, that would affect the way I parent. Mm. That would affect my viewpoint. Yeah. And as Milo and Cooper became teenagers, they would start to reproduce the attitudes and actions in my yeah what if you just try to be a good parent without addressing you well see here's the problem is that kids are insanely intuitive Mm. um you know we say this um all the time like teenagers have the best bs meter yeah you know like they can see through your crap kids know who is the weaker parent Mm. kids know who who is the one that they can go to and either dad will say yes or mom will say yes. Yeah. Yes, they automatically yeah. know that. Yeah. They know it so quick. Mm. And so if you're if you're saying one thing and doing another, mm. it's yeah. They know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not tricking anybody. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh we as parents have to uh, I mean, really our kids are like a mirror almost mm. to they'll make us see things in ourselves that we don't want to see. And before we ever try to correct it right. or lead them through it, we have to lead ourselves through it. That's good. You know? Mm. That's that good. makes sense. Um, truthfully, one of the reasons, maybe I, I, I did know it at the time. I don't know why I had the, the magic number of five years. Who knows? Like I said, I was a crazy person, uh, pregnant. But the reason why I had, the reason why I wanted more time before I had kids was truthfully to grow up. Hmm. I, I didn't know why five years was magic, but I knew that yeah. I needed work. And um, just to kind of, what I felt like I needed to work on was probably my insecurity. Mm. And I knew that if I could grow um, in spirituality, in j- just in all areas, truthfully, yeah. the better off my child would be. Yeah. And so I think that was the fear. That was why, what, that was the waiting. Mm. Um, financially, I wanted to make sure we were set. Yeah. And, and so I knew that if I could raise a child and I was whole and healthy that was obviously going to be that much easier. Yeah. And I just needed more time. I felt like I needed more time. That's good. And so I would envision sort of, for example, and both of our kids are in sports, and I know we wanted to get to sports and activities mm-hmm. later. Yes. But both of our kids are in sports. And um, when our son started to get in football really early on, he took an interest in it very early on, I can remember um, just watching him and not saying a word. I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want him to think that I cared one way or the other, truthfully. I mean, on the inside, I'm like, that's my son. But I wouldn't say, I mean, I would cheer a little bit. But I always, I intentionally, when we got in the car and, and we were driving home, I just let him talk. And whatever he was saying, he did bad, good. I acted mm. like I didn't care either way. And I always just say, do you know that mommy just loves to watch you play? Mm. That's it. I just love to watch you play. Yeah. Um, we, there are kids who have so much pressure. I can't imagine sometimes parents, we put them in activities and we don't 
my, myself included, I put my kids in activities and I don't realize that might be really hard for a three-year-old hmm. to sit and watch this perimeter of parents, just yeah. all eyes on them. Right. And, and, and then we wonder why they're insecure. Yeah. You know, that's the, a lot. I have a question. This, um, maybe related, maybe kind of unrelated on the sports thing. Like I, I, I once heard someone counseling parents obviously to affirm their kids and everything they do man you're incredible at this you're great at this and just speak life speak life speak life but to be careful to speak more to to cap to capture them in moments where they're winning to celebrate it but to capture them more in character moments than talent moments yes i just would love yes. to hear you guys speak to that because from what i understand one of the dangers and it makes sense to me again in leadership or whatever else in life is the the resounding, whatever celebrate is repeated, whether yeah. it's leadership or parenting. And uh, speaking like I'm a parent, so for all you parents, <laughs> let me just tell you. No, but, but I just know human nature, what's celebrated is repeated. Mm-hmm. And how important is it the, the proportions of what you choose to affirm and to celebrate? Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. I think I read, I think it was like a blog post like a year ago that was like, there are parents that don't, I don't know if I go all the way to say this, but there are some parents that won't compliment their kids on their physical appearance mm-hmm. because they don't want their confidence to be built in their image mm-hmm. because they're going to get old someday or they're going <laughs> to, you know, they're going to get in an accident and they're going to get a scar or, you know, whatever. Have right. ugly birthmarks. They're going to have <laughs> ugly birthmarks and be called birthmark Becca forever. <laughs> 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 that is that cannot catch on. That could be the title of this podcast. Birth there we go. Becca. Just you're welcome, Pastor Kevin. <laughs> but no, I think I think it is much more important See, to affirm and celebrate the things they are choosing to do. Mm. So like so like to bring back the sports analogy, I think it'd be much more important to affirm and celebrate and compliment a kid's work ethic in a sport mm. rather than their actual physical wow, talent. I love mm-hmm. that. Not to say, like, don't tell them they're good. Like, that's yeah. that'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But make it a bigger deal that they're diligent. Make yeah. it a bigger deal that they work hard. That's good. Make it a bigger deal that they're a good sport. All the things that they are choosing. Celebrate the character. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I one time was uh, watching a basketball game, and the one of the players really slammed into another player, which I guess you're not supposed to do, and knocked the other player down. And the player that did that immediately said totally my fault I'm sorry that's what he said right away and he with that team ended up winning the game he ended up doing amazing Mm -hmm. Um, but I can remember overhearing the coach talking to that player and said nothing about the fact that he made the winning basket winning basket winning basket um he said he brought that up he brought up the fact that immediately Mm -hmm. he said to the other kid hey that was my fault I thought that's always stuck with me you know, the, that, that was what stood out. I love that. Speaking of sports, let's go there. Okay. It has got to be, you know, and, you know, fortunately, it's, it's got to be a good thing for any parent listening in that even though we're all in different places in life, if you're a parent listening in, 2020, sports in general, like, I think most parents are hacking through the same jungle of what's balance in life and what's mm-hmm. balance for my kids. And so I would just love for you to speak to that. Some of the things you're observing that, I mean, just this is a safe place to say, here's what concerns me. Here's some things mm-hmm. I'm seeing that concern me. And, you know, even from a church or faith community context, what, what is it? Because it's got to be, I know when I played, uh, you know, because I was kind of a, you know, always been a sports guy. But uh, no, <laughs> my favorite thing in the world is making Jesse laugh. But I think, 
you know, like I, I did play baseball most of my life through high school, and then it, it it's I think it had started culture had started shifting. Mm-hmm. At that point, as long ago as that was, to where if you're going to be in a sport, I feel like now it's not high school. It's all the way from elementary school age. If you're going to be in a sport, it's going to consume your life. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like to, to cheer your kids on? You want them to be active. You want them to make friends. You want them to find hobbies and passions and interests. But to bring balance, especially if there's priorities of faith and family. What, 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 does that look, what concerns you? What does that look like? Any tips? I want to take notes. Um, I would say something that concerns me right off the bat, um, you just brought it up, that it is taking over their life. And sometimes I watch families and I, I think, okay, they've got it. They've got the balance, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's in one sport, but it's not overtaking our life. And then I see the extreme, which sometimes can be more common than I'd like to see, um, where it is, it, it is the main it's, it's the main thing in their life. Mm. And every time you talk to that parent, it's like, so how's everything going? And they immediately start in on the sports. Mm. And I just think that's a dangerous direction to head. Um, truthfully, and I can speak because both my, I'm not slamming sports. Both my kids are in sports and activities. So please don't think that I'm saying that. Um, but I think the bigger thing is when it becomes the main goal, what, what I think in my head is, so do they want them to play in high school and be amazing? And that's great. But do they want them to peak in high school? You don't want mm. your kids to peak in high school, and then that's it. Mm. You know, that, that can't be the, the end goal. Right. Um, I see a lot of families that, now if you have any uh, complaints about this, it's russ.more <laughs> at the x.church. Y'all are missing church for sports. <laughs> okay. Should we go there for a second for anybody from the church? Like, because so here's my non-parent um, observate, let me just say, here's my human observation is that whether it's a leader in our lives or a parent in our lives or anybody we look up to, I'm not going to remember what they tell me is important. I'm going to remember what they prioritize is important. Yes. And timing and what's chosen over what screams really loud, Mm -hmm. right? Louder than words. But what does a parent do? I think I was telling you guys, I, I actually asked Pastor Tim a few weeks ago because it's one of those things. Me, I, I try to be really careful when I'm speaking to people in church or a parent in general. I always want to be super delicate. But I asked him, I was like, you know, one day, like, what do you do with sports? And he said something I've, I've heard other leaders I really look up to say. He said, you know, for us, we have just kind of our rule is like each, each child does one sport a year. And there might be certain moments, if it's a special tournament, where they'll miss yeah. whatever's important. What, maybe, maybe you're not in a faith community. Maybe for you it's school or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. in our context, dealing with a faith community of what we think the eternal things of the soul are the ultimate priority above everything else. And so I'm just curious, even pr- just practically, I mean, yeah. Jesse, you're, you're a youth pastor. so oh, I'm I, ready to go in. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get you fired up. I know, let me speak from my context. I was involved in student ministry for 15 years, vocational student pastor for five years. And what I experienced a lot of times is, um, oh, this is live, so I just want to be so careful. But I experienced um, parents that would prioritize in home time and on weekends anything but what they would say is the most valuable thing in their life. Right. And then they would drop them off with me 45 weeks a year, and I was expected to fix it. 
Is that okay to say? I think so. What? <laughs> I'm gonna take it off me and put it on you. Yeah. What? What? What are you observing? What are you experiencing? And is it the youth pastor's job to to fix a student? Oh boy, that's <laughs> remind me about that one. Um, no, so like you said, I think sports are great. I split, played sports from like first grade up until tenth grade. Love sports. They teach you a lot of valuable life mm-hmm. lessons. Um, but. You know, I've, I've talked with parents about like, oh, yeah, they're, just, they're playing like travel sports seem to be the mm-hmm. ones that always take place on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, it only they only have this opportunity when they're in high school. Like it's only it's temporary. You know, church will be around forever. Mm-hmm. And my point is exactly mm-hmm. like church is the bigger rock, as mm-hmm. you preached, you know, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're a kid, like, again, more is caught than taught. And as you you kind of said, like. Time is our most valuable currency as human beings. Mm. And so what we spend the most time on mm. indicates what our biggest priority is in reality, no matter what we say it is. Yeah. So if as parents we allow our kid to dictate whether or not the church goes or the, the family goes to church or, you know, if you're not part of a faith community, whatever it is, then they're going to grow up thinking that church is optional. Mm. Because, well, I, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to go do that, you know, but... If we instead say, okay, well, youth group happens on Wednesdays, Mm -hmm. so before the season starts, we're going to talk to the coach and say, hey, uh, we want to be involved, we want to play, but I have this priority Mm. before sports. Would it be a good exercise for for a parent to say, here is what I want my child to become? Not not in I'm dictating specifically what they do, but here's their soul, their life, their character, where I want to see them go in life. And based off that, decide what are the non-negotiables and what are the optionals yeah i mean that i think you maybe alluded to it earlier like we by showing their showing them literally Mm -hmm. hey this is priority this isn't as they're developing Mm -hmm. that's going to be something that naturally carries with them into their adult life Mm -hmm. where if we raise them to say oh no Church is a non-negotiable, not because mm. it's legalistic and we're shamed or shunned if we miss, right. but no, this is just a priority, mm-hmm. that we want to mm. be invested in the life of this house, this yeah. church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they're going to grow up with that instilled in them, and not only instilled, but they've literally watched it firsthand play out. And they'll, st- and they'll hopefully, it seems like from that point, as they see mom and dad not just make it a chore or duty, but I, I, once, I once heard this, and again, as a non-parent, you guys can tell me if this is right or wrong. I once heard that the greatest uh, currency of which to pass off values is through joy. Yes. Uh, and so not only when they see you engaged in what you would deem important, but when they see you active and passionate mm-hmm. and joyful about it, they're not, they're not going to remember uh, what mom, in my mind, did out of duty. But they're, whatever they see dad excited, when they see dad excited yeah. to write, I have a feeling they may or may not be like, oh, man, that makes me excited. To right. When they see that, man, dad really loves Jesus and really loves mm-hmm. people, I think that's going to rub off and it's going to, I mean, I really love, that makes, I heard, I'm, I'm going to quote him again. I, they, they asked Judas Smith how he's so humble and so loving. And he said whenever they walked into rooms, his dad, who was a pastor, would look for the lonely. And he would look for the, whether it was uh, the person that everybody else in the room would seem to overlook. That's who his dad would go to. And so they started this mantra <laughs> as a Smith clan. When, whenever they leave the house, they said, we are the Smiths. We look for the kind. We are kind and encouraging. And we look for the lonely. Mm-hmm. We're kind and encouraging. And we look for the lonely. 
And I love what you're saying because I just think um, it, in every area of life, it just seems like the actions, we've heard it a million times, speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And what you as a parent are the most prioritized, the most passionate about. Not what you say when you sit them down and say, now this is really important. Mm-hmm. Right. The mm-hmm. things that you don't have to say with words because your life screams it. Yeah. It seems like are going to be the things that deposit right, and go down. Yeah. And yep. if, if you, as a parent, when they're young, are, and I'm not saying this is an excuse, but are, you are putting things, prioritizing things over attending church together as a family, what would, why would they not do that also as an adult? Mm-hmm. They're not going to turn... 18 or get out of school and not be in activities any longer and then all of a sudden say I'll make a church I'll make church a priority on my own that doesn't happen I mean this assuming you're listening to this you want your child raised um in a faith community the statistics show it's like it's like 87 percent if you want your child to continue attending the church you just have to go with them you just have to bring them and I understand there are weeks we're not saying 52 out of 52, mm-hmm. you know, there are weeks that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I will say again, because I can speak from experience, um, it's 2020. Well, okay. When it was normal, when it was 2019, there are activities, a million leagues and a million clubs. They don't have to be on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We ha- have my kids come to church in their uniform. Yes, they have. Mm-hmm. But by and large, most there's there's tons of activities that should not interfere with Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So before we move on to something else, maybe a little bit more generic, I want, I want to pick on the church again really quick. Mm-hmm. And and it really I, this probably applies to everybody. But there's there's this uh, verse uh, where Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul didn't have any kids, but uh, he had someone that was like a son to him, mm-hmm. Timothy. And he kind of raised him up, mentored him up, and he said this. He said. Uh, what you've heard from me uh, in the presence of many witnesses, what you've learned, what you've absorbed from me, entrust to other faithful men who will be able to also entrust that to others. And I heard a leader, uh, I heard Erwin McManus say this, and I just thought it was such a beautiful way to, to say it, if it's true, is that children are an entrustment, not a possession. Mm-hmm. But it seems so many, and I don't know, maybe more in the church than not in the church. So we'll just pick on the church for a minute in case you're listening to this and you're not from the church and you enjoy picking on the church. But it seems like so many, whether, whether it's vicariously living through the dreams they never experienced or whether it's through a controlling, I don't know, whatever, it, it seems to me that is a, a really powerful and Im, important delineation of seeing children as, as an entrustment that you get to steward for God or whatever you believe mm-hmm versus a possession to control and the frustration and exhaustion that's got to come from that latter option like what i don't know i'm just curious your thoughts disagree agree expound yeah no i think that's great i think i think sometimes i think we've seen this maybe more in the generation previous to mine where like the dad would live through the son of like oh no you're gonna play football and oh Mm -hmm. my son's not getting enough playing time that probably still exists today but like it does (laughs) which that's a whole other thing um, but I think it's important for us to understand as parents that our kid is not, it's not our job to tell our kid who they are. Mm. It's our job to help them become who they are. Mm-hmm. Wow. If that makes That's sense. That's good. That's good. Like 
it's not, oh, you're going to be this, and I'm going to dictate what your career is going to be, and I'm going to whatever. It's my job to help you figure out where your passions are. Yeah. It's my job to help you double down on your strengths yeah. and reveal your strengths to you yeah. and but help it, you avoid the pitfalls of, pitfalls of life that I found and all that. But it's not to say it's, it's – so it's like I am Milo's dad, right? Milo, like this is going to sound confusing, but hopefully it <laughs> helps you understand what I'm trying to say. Like I am not – Milo's dad and he needs to listen to me it's Milo is my son and it's my job to help raise him wow and help him become who he is that's good and there's so much more freedom in that yeah I mean what what a horrible pressure that I own my kids Mm. then it's all on me that's illegal yes that is (laughs) but then it's all on me you know it is That's so much pressure. There's so much more freedom yeah. in that I've been entrusted. That's good. Uh, that's a lot less pressure than than uh, I have to make them a certain way. Mm. Rather, I just mold and guide. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. There's a, it's like there's this joyful, I assume, looking at it that way, there's this joyful responsibility that I get to steward and mold and shape, but not control and enforce right. and own. No, and that's how, exhausting. How do you think that... How do you think that factors into even maybe this is again getting more practical? Because I really want you guys to to I want you to hone in on what you see. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about words, but let's talk about tone. How much does frustration and tone and maybe this I don't know. I'm just I want to learn from you guys on discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm sure the way that you view that stewardship of your children even goes into how you discipline and the tone of which you approach and the techniques of which you approach what are the things and i and i know your guys hearts and anybody listening knows your hearts you are not even beginning to come from a standpoint of oh we're experts or whatever but you are incredible parents and you you do this for a career and you get a front row seat to healthy unhealthy and everything in between and i'm just like what do you notice when it comes Mm -hmm. to correcting disciplining tone all that that is yeah. Unhelpful versus helpful. So I want to say one more thing about the, uh, what we were just talking about. Um, I think how we as parents can gauge like which side of that spectrum we're on, whether or not we're the, the controlling ownership, you're my kid and you're going to do what I say, yeah. or I'm helping raise, is like think about what you think when mm. they have accomplishments. Like think about what you're going to imagine when they're graduating high school. Mm. If you think, oh, I did it. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You were there for it. Yeah. But that attitude should be, no, they did it. That's good. They did it, and I helped them. That's mm-hmm. good. I got to be with them as they were doing it. Not, that's my kid right there. I did that, <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, so. That's good. To the, to the tone thing, I think, I want to speak to this from, like, the teenager perspective. Because okay. I've, like, so many times have I sat down with a teenager that's made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've even gone as far as to acknowledge they've made a bad decision because they're sitting with me talking about it. Like, hey, I messed up or I'm in this situation or I got myself stuck, whatever. And one of the first questions I always ask is, have you talked to your parent about it yet? And 99 times out of 100, the answer is no. Mm. Because, oh, I can't tell them that. They'll kill me. They'll blow up. And I think what's really important for us to remember as parents is to parent with emotion but not parent out of emotion mm, that's good so like yeah being a parent you're you're gonna get mad at your kid they're gonna do things that you have told them a million times not to do and they're gonna do it anyway because guess what you did that when you were a kid too every kid ever has done that so 
instead of responding out of emotion to, let's say, a teenager that said they did something stupid, fill in the mm-hmm. blank, instead of exploding, you went, I can't believe, are you an idiot? I've told you a hundred times not to do that. Because guess what? That's a surefire way to make sure they never tell you anything ever again. Mm-hmm. What you're wow. going to do is not create a well-behaved kid. You're going to make a really good liar. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and then you're going to come ask me, why won't they talk to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... <laughs> Maybe it's because your initial response told them they're not allowed to talk to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and we've talked about this before. It's totally fine as a parent. Again, more is caught than taught. You're going to teach them how to process negative emotion. Yeah. If they tell you something that makes you mad, mm. it's perfectly fine to say, we're not going to talk about this right now mm-hmm. because I want to have a time. I want to have a moment to process yeah. and think before we talk about this. So however you're going to, you know, you need to go hang out in your room for a little bit mm-hmm. or we'll talk about this when we get home or whatever. Yeah. Um, but to explode, it is going to teach them, Oh, it's not okay to talk to you about this. Mm. And so good. from a kid perspective. So oftentimes when I hear families talk to me about, um, and first I'm going to preface by saying I absolutely lose my temper and yell. So I'm not even trying to hide. Like I don't, Oh yeah, I totally have two by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Um, Maybe good to put out there for every parent, just like it is in every other place in life. It's about progress, not perfection. Yes. Absolutely. Whether it's looking under the hood or whatever it is. Yeah, well, if I trace back, why did I lose my temper? Why did I yell? I can kind of trace it back to intentional parenting, just mm-hmm. like we opened up the podcast with. And so let's take, for example, that mornings. You, this is where a parent finds themselves just, just going rogue. Mornings. That getting ready for school, the breakfast, all that. Oh, I just lose my... Mornings are horrible. I lose my temper every morning. Well, let's talk about what your household looks like in the morning. Mm -hmm. Is everybody waking up on time? Are you waking up on time? When you say, is it... We have one minute. Get your shoes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> okay, this is, is a it, real podcast. This is authentic. Where are the shoes? Right. Are the shoes in a spot where they can find them? And I'm not saying you as a parent should put the shoes away. Do they have a spot? Mm-hmm. Um, w- the night before, were book bags packed? Or are we scurrying to do this at the last minute? If they're old enough, can they throw themselves a bowl of cereal? And do they know where this is? Is there order? Mm. That's the intention. The intention is, is the, is the home orderly? Because that will eliminate a lot of your screaming. You are a person of order. I am a person of order. And if you have order, it will eliminate so much screaming. You think some order can equate a little bit more peace? Absolutely. If everything has a place, if everything has a spot, Typically, mornings are a little faster. How do you talk to your kids though if they're not doing that? What are I want you to I want you to get I, ready I, with this. What, I mean, what this are the things gonna, like? I, this sounds like I'm really patting myself on the back, but lately what I've been doing is saying, "What role did I play? Hmm. What role did I play in this 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 chaotic morning? What role did I play?" And I'm usually able to see where I played a role. That's good. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. I haven't taught them. I haven't given them a space to put their book bag so that, you know, that's the role that I would play. No, that's great. Okay. But, okay. But let's say that that's later. (laughs) But in the moment, what I'm curious about is how do you speak or not speak to your kid when you feel like just losing it? On an ideal moment, what would you, what would you, okay, let's say this way. 
What was, later on, you're going to have your Gandhi moment where you reflect yes. on what you could have done and meditate for 10 minutes and all that stuff. I'm just kidding. I think it's awesome. But beyond that, like, how do you practically respond in the moment you think is healthy for conflict, de-escalation, or whatever? Um, engage less. The best thing, the best advice I could give is stop engaging in the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, let's just take, for example, let's go back to the chaotic morning. I'm not going to say it anymore. And I would even say this. I do say this. I'm not going to say it anymore and actually mean that. I'm going to lose my temper if you don't get your book bag right now. Not engaging. Not engaging. I will not engage in the back and forth. Hmm. That would be my best piece of advice. Do not keep the back and forth because um, they'll out-talk you. I have a daughter that will... (laughs) I have a son that's going to be a lawyer, apparently, yeah. and a daughter that can out-talk me. I will mm. not engage in the back and forth. That's good. Mm. That's good. I think one of the things that's important, like, this is, so this, I'm a little, I'm very introverted, very quiet person, typically. So that is obviously going to affect the way that I parent. But one thing I actually am very passionate about is not correcting my kid in public mm. to the, in a way that shames them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think maybe we've all, and maybe you do this as a parent and whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. This is just what I believe. If you're in the grocery store Mm -hmm. and you're screaming at them to where half the store can hear, you're not correcting at that point. You're shaming Mm -hmm. is my opinion. And they don't hear you. They're not. They don't hear you. Now they're just embarrassed and feel shameful, Mm. which is actually defeating the purpose. Mm. Your job is to correct, not to destroy. Right? So... Like what I do, and this works well with Milo. He's my only kid. Maybe it won't work with Cooper. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. But what I do if we're in public and he's running away or not listening or throwing a fit is I pull him close to me and I whisper in his ear. Mm. And I say, hey, we don't yeah. do that here. That's or, good. We're out in public, whatever. And nine times out of ten, he listens. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if I'm correcting in a way, hey, 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 that, right. it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. escalating, not de-escalating. And yeah. again, I to take it further... And not to say that what you're doing isn't great because it is. That's fantastic. To take it a step further, to be more intentional, I would often, because I had those, the toddler days, I vividly remember, on the way to the store, I'm going to say, do you remember the rules of the store? Yep. That's that intentional. That's good. On the, do you remember the rules of the store? What happens when you want to touch, touch something at the store and it's not yours? Mm. You know, just going, just taking five minutes as you pull up in the parking lot, that de-escalates a lot. And <laughs> or, then you we're re- coming here to get milk. Yes. Not toys. Mm. We're yes. coming here to get milk. Yes. Yes. Nope, it's not a toy day. And then stop engaging. So yep. this shows that uh, both of your kids, all three of the kids, have messed up at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time here, but our... Is there a moment, because both of you in different ways are teachers, which means you also get to engage with parents. Is there a devastating moment where parents have the discovery that their kid's not perfect? All the time. (laughs) And is it important to be able to acknowledge that your kid is a human? And how does that play out in just things you observe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, admitting to yourself that your child isn't perfect and then also saying to your child, I, don't, I know you're not perfect. I don't expect perfection. Mm-hmm. What that does is get them into a habit early on of dependency on the Lord. Mm. 
you know, at a young age, yeah. especially when I can bring it up about myself, I, I bring up to my kids what my weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And I just say, and that's where that's I... That's a great... That's awesome. Um, that, there's that's, so many. <laughs> that's, that's something I, I, I've also heard people talk about, the importance of like when parents, in a healthy way, not saying, hey, I did something crazy last night, whatever, but for parents to be able to process their imperfections with their kids... To be able to tell them, to be able to have the the ability to say, "I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I I messed up, I apologize." Like, how important is that even oh, for the emotional processing? Oh, of the kid? it's so bonding to to have a moment to to apologize to your child, especially when they they they're owed an apology. Yeah, it's it for one thing. Kids are so forgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just so so forgiving. The bond that is automatically created. It's such a bonding moment when they get to see you be vulnerable and apologize. For your actions. I have gone back and apologized. I lost my temper and I'm sorry. Mm. It's okay, mommy. I mean, they're just right away. But it's also teaching them yeah. to apologize when yeah. they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get really emotional, spiritual really quick. <laughs> what has being a father, how is that in your relationship with God? Like, how has that impacted and shaped you? Your oh. view and the way you view God. For anybody out here that... Um, uh, really, I think in more ways than I can probably put accurately into words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear this before you're a parent. And before I was a parent, I was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of get what it feels like to be a parent and have a child that's mm-hmm. yours. The reality is you just can't. Mm-hmm. It is the love and the connection and the... You can't put it into words. Mm. It's different than any other relationship ever. And to hear all the different ways of the way Scripture talks about God being our Father and we are His children, Mm. and to think about the way that I view my kid is the same way God views me. And that's that's incredible. And I think as parents, we can learn a lot from the way God parents us, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's something about being a parent. Like, when they're really young, I think we actually get parenting better than when they're older, mm-hmm. in a way. So, like, when your kid is learning how to walk and they fall down, you don't get mad. Mm-hmm. Like, they're learning. Yeah. They're, they're getting there. You always get excited. Oh, they took a couple steps and yeah. then they fell. Yeah, Okay. That's how God treats us, too. Right. Like, then why do we always feel like God is so frustrated with me? And if I mess up, he's just... Well, I think there's... There's it's probably maybe, how we were parented. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's maybe an ounce where we put our earthly parents mm-hmm. and the way they responded to when we messed up onto God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then maybe we're putting our own, you know, insecurities, insecurity, yeah. and the way we process process failure onto God as well. Yeah. But like we've got to remember that as parents, as humans, that the way we treated our kids when they were learning to walk. Oh, it's a couple steps. I found out. Oh, we're never mad. Oh, you fell down. Are you kidding me? Are you stupid? Like, why don't you know how to do this? Every every human ever can do this. What are you talking about? Nobody talks like that. Instead, we're like, oh, we celebrate the steps and pick them up when they fall. Like, but I think maybe in parenting, we lose that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, we forget to celebrate the baby steps. Yeah. You know? Um and the fall becomes the bigger deal. Mm-hmm. When our job as mm-hmm. parents is to guide the baby steps through every phase mm-hmm. of their life mm-hmm. and pick them up when they fall. Mm-hmm. And That's good. understanding that our relationship with God is the same. That's He's not good. mad when we fall. 
Instead, he's more excited about the steps and wants to help pick us back up so we can take a couple more steps. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, and I would say that, so I struggle a little bit with vulnerability and definitely having kids have has softened me mm. um, when I realized, you know, two minutes into meeting my son um, that, oh, I, I would run through a burning building for a baby that I just met. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's how God feels about me. Mm. Uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for me. And that doesn't even scratch the surface. I mean, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. If I'm feeling I would run through a burning building for this baby, take that and just amp it up. And oh. that is how God feels about you. Man. We have so many more topics, but I just think this is a good place to begin to land. Yeah. Um, as a non-parent at times when I've tried to imagine God's love for me, I, I'm, it's really easy for me to believe God loves other people. Mm-hmm. I really struggle at times. Like, I believe it, like, theologically in my mind. But I, I really, because I'm like, I know me, you know. And so it can be really hard for me to believe God loves me. But, like, when I think about my parents, and I am fortunate the kind of parents I have and and both my and my mom, if you've met Sweet Mary Jane, oh, I, I, I mean, I could just and, I could burn up nine villages, you know. And this isn't part of this isn't great. See, that's like, those moms from the south. Yeah, that, okay. yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> and, and you know, but when I think about, but wait, that it's not even a fraction. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's just that's not even a like. There's verses that we talk about. I was last night thinking about this verse because I needed it of how, as a father has compassion on his children, so God has pity on those who love him. And even if mother and father forsake, like he, like, I love just that thought of the exponential. If you are a parent and you're struggling emotionally right now uh, to remember, because I also wonder if there's, there's, there's this dichotomy that could be helpful. You know, they say in leadership that you can't be a good leader unless you're first a good follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wonder if maybe some healing medicine for a parent listening today is you can't stay sane as a parent and your calling as a parent, unless you also remember your calling as a child, mm-hmm. not to be childish, but childlike that before you're even a parent, you're, if you, you know, we believe if you know Jesus, you're a son and you're a daughter mm-hmm. and maybe you need to receive from your parent and get filled up so that you can feel full to, I just, I don't know. I just feel so encouraged by, by what you've shared. couple wrap up questions. Okay. And we could go all day long. Put in the chat if you want parenting part two. We didn't even get to uh, parenting and technology. There's, there's, so, there's so many things. Yeah, we didn't get to like three quarters. Of what we <laughs> we to did talk it. About. But this has been so helpful for me, and I've, I've just learned so much from you, from you guys. And uh, a couple wrap-up. Number one, uh, for anyone that uh, has any interest in your role specifically and accessing your ministry, and what it looks like. I'd love for you just to give a sneak peek of your ministry, what your role is here at the church, and why it's so valuable, and what you do. So uh, there's another great staff person here, and that's Morgan. And Morgan and I kind of— Shout out to Morgan. Yeah, shout out to mm-hmm. Morgan Clapperud. She's amazing. And she's—if if you come to church, our church, and you want to check your kids in— um, as an infant or as an early toddler, Morgan is going to oversee that and take care of you. If you have a preschooler through fifth grade, uh, we have an amazing ministry where we take we 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 cater to every mode of learning. Mm-hmm. So if you say I can't take my kid to church because they're just so bouncy off the wall, they won't listen. We've got a spot for that. Mm-hmm. We obviously know that. Um, 
we re, we want to reach all types of learners. So we have everything from physical activities to stories to whatever appeals to your kid. We've got it covered. And you guys, I mean, let's just shout out for kids ministry and especially in 2020 because you guys have made a way. You know, we're not even we haven't even talked about COVID and the the steps you've taken uh, to keep everyone safe and keep volunteers safe and all of that. But I love, uh, correct me if I'm getting the phrase wrong, but in kids, one of the things that you guys say all the time is uh, we're not babysitting kids, we're, we're raising world changers. Absolutely. And that you really don't just look at them as this is our time to make sure they're okay while my, I, th- I think it is powerful for parents to have some time undistracted to be poured into each week. But you guys actually look at this as an investment, that this is not just the future generation. This is this generation. Oh, absolutely. And the best example, we just did a project, um, Operation Christmas Child. That was for the kids. Yes, talk about that. That was so cool. So we we packed 175 boxes for children in need overseas. That was an outreach project for kids. We didn't even care what the adults were doing over there. And that was, I, I think I told you this, I shared with you, every time I do this project with kids, I always see that kid who who comes up to me after class or in the middle of class um, and says, so where are we sending these? And just Because they're to... riding it, right? Yes, they're, they're taking care of everything. They want to These know... kids are taking care of it for other kids. Absolutely. And they know that their, their, their little shoebox of love is being sent overseas to another child. And they, there's always going to be one or two kids that just ask me more. And I just look and say, that's a future missionary. I know that. And, and we, we take that very seriously. We couldn't care, you know, we... we we're not worried. We are worried that that we're obviously keeping kids safe and, and that we are not looking at it as child care. We mm-hmm. are looking at so intentionally beginning um, uh, support for your kids, beginning love for your kids. Mm-hmm. They love to go to church, and we want that to start at the youngest of ages. And it's so cool because, you know, just to brag on you a little bit more, but we like I hear staff members and just people in the community all the time, they're like, I went in my child's room last night and heard them repeating back this verse, this life lesson. And I would, and you know, they're always emotional. And so I just, uh, thank you for, for what you got, you and Morgan and just that whole team are doing. It's unreal. It's unreal. You're welcome. Just, yeah. So, uh, youth, uh, kind of our catchphrase is we influence youth to invade culture. Mm-hmm. It's because I think now more than ever, there are more things fighting for the attention of our teenagers, mm-hmm. um, in culture and, um, at least if you are uh, a Christian parent, you worry that a lot of those influences are negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we want to do is influence them in a way that's positive and teaches them not only do they have to just not be a victim to culture mm-hmm. and go the way that the rest of the world's going, but they can actually take a message of hope and invade the culture that they're a part so of. So good. Um, and so uh, whether in middle school or high school, like our important things are we want to make it fun, engaging for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want them to make friends in their grade. Uh, we want them to hear a relevant message that applies to their life and then get to uh, further discuss how that applies to their life within the context of community. I love it. Yeah, because that's one of the things you say. I mean, you and all your leaders are so cool, so they all think you're the coolest, you know, leaders in the world. But then also, you know, one of the things I've heard you say is they'll they'll come for the cool, but they'll stay for relationship. Absolutely. It's all about relationship. And then once a month, I know one of the things you're doing is bringing all middle school and high school together for just a just high-charging experience on their level. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing. You're an incredible leader. You are a ridiculous communicator, unreal communicator. But one of the things I love is that you, one of the things you talked about earlier, you do. You model vulnerability and transparency. 
and your story, let's be honest, this is probably the most anxious generation. I, I, I always, isn't it funny how you talk like a historian in all of humanity? <laughs> I don't know. I've not been around for all of humanity. But I would venture to say that this is the most anxious generation all of humanity. Sure. And you, in a very appropriate way, in a responsible way, you peel back the curtain and you don't try to act perfect, but you, you, you bring them into your story to show them, hey, hey I'm, I'm human, and you relate to them, but then you talk about how Jesus has taken mm-hmm. the shrapnel of what you've gone through in your soul and just made something amazing out of it. And you talk about some of the steps you've taken and how you had to take courageous steps to get honest, and, and I just love that. Um, Thanks. I appreciate you both. I've had a lot of people... Right, and asking for resources, recommendations, any books you recommend, parenting podcasts, books to help parent, books for devotionals for kids. So, quick, well, Pastor we Jesse and I both love Levi Lusco. Okay, um, and yeah. and we were just talking earlier before this started that it's often difficult to find male authors that that are gearing their resources toward mm-hmm. kids, and so that's why we love Levi Lusco. I love a podcast. I talk about this often um, called Pardon the Mess, mm-hmm. and um, it's been around for uh, several years now. If you can think of a topic, she has covered it. She has uh, Dr. Tony Evans on. She has Levi Lesko on. Priscilla Schurler is on. Um, Sheila White is on. Sheila White is another mm-hmm. person, another author, um, mostly geared toward young girls. Yeah. Um, she has journals that are out for young girls. Sheila White has an amazing journal out. Max Lucado. Uh, it's probably the first devotional I did with my kids. It's called Growing in Grace. Mm. Very simple, something to do at dinner time. Um, He's had a lot of stuff, right? He does have a lot Him, of stuff. Him, Proverbs 31, we were talking about a few Lisa of the Turkers ones. Lisa Turkhurst has a lot. Lisa Turkhurst, yeah. Proverbs 31, because she's Proverbs 31. Yes. And then, um, what were some of the other ones you were um, mentioning? This is old school. Okay. I told you I was going to bring up my old school resource. And it's, his name's Dr. James Dobson. Mm. He's kind of in charge of that. I mean, back in the day, if you grew up in a Christian home... Focus on the family was the way to go. And he's amazing. It's timeless. It's old school. Some of it's hard to hear, but it's, it, it's fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, I've just got a couple. I think uh, one that I love a lot is actually done by uh, a company called Orange, which is mm-hmm. actually the company we buy our curriculum from mm-hmm. that all of our kids do. Um, they have uh, books for every phase and every age of parenting. Mm-hmm. It's called it's the good. phases. So it's like literally how to parent a one-year-old, how to parent a two-year-old. And they have all the way zero to 18. What are the phases? And they're like parent, like coach, leader, friend, whatever. So this is... Friend, I think friends last. Friends last. Yeah, that, that probably needs to be last. <laughs> friends last. Um, yeah, I think this one is just, it goes by ages. So it's like, this one is broken down by their development. So it's like yeah. elementary, middle school, high school. Okay. Or infancy, elementary, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's a great one. One great resource, which I, my son is two and a half and the other one's not born yet. And I'm mm-hmm. already starting to think about having the talk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Levi Lusco. What kind mm-hmm. of talk? Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> no, that one. Okay. Um, uh, and especially with today's culture and all that. Yeah. So I'm terrified of it a little bit, just to be honest. But uh, Levi Lusco and his wife have a free resource on his website, levilesco.com, and it's completely free, and it's incredible of how to have that talk with your kids from a, again, this is from a faith-based yeah. um, perspective, um, mm. is incredible. Uh, one other one I like for kids is, uh, it's called Indescribable by Louis Giglio. Yeah, yeah. It's 100 devotionals mm-hmm. uh, about science and faith. Yeah. Because, you know, especially if your kid goes to, you know, a public school and you're a little bit worried about, well, at church they hear about this way, and they hear about this, and it can feel like they 
you know, yeah. um, contradict. So this is 100 Devos about science and faith. And Which, to, by the way, shout out to that. Oh, also, Louis Giglio's book that you loved, uh, Giant, Goliath Must Fall, they apparently uh, now have for kids. Oh. So, but indescribable. So a little shout out. Uh, I am, not to brag, a godparent to, I think, eight or nine. I, I, they get mad at me because I can't remember. By the way, can you guys clear this up for me? Because some of my God family, I think, is listening right now. Is this Amanda? This is Amanda. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Amanda. Amanda. Um, she, this is a funny story. We're going to wrap up. She asked me when, uh, let me, Josh, Johnny, Annie, I, I, I know them, uh, Abby, and they're all out there. They know their names. But uh, when, <laughs> shut up. They, they asked me, I think, when Johnny was born to be the godparent. I was like, oh, my, I would be honored. I was like, um, and is, okay. So, so, like, I would send indescribable. I all these books, and they loved them. And I would post, you know, on their birthdays. And then um, one day I was talking with uh, Amanda and Jose, and, and she's like, hey, you know, just, I'm not, not that it's a big deal, but just notice, like, uh, have you ever sent gifts to any of the other kids? I was like. Well, I'm just Johnny's, right? And the fury that came from her, she goes, are you kidding me? She goes, is this why you only post about Johnny? And I said, she goes, no, that means you're godparent to all of them. I said, I did not know this was a thing. Is this a thing? Um, is a godparent a thing? No, no. Is it, is it a thing that if you're a godparent to one, you're a godparent to all? I, I think godparenting is a southern thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think that's a thing. Oh, that's I a southern thing. Okay. Yeah. Godparenting definitely exists here. I don't, I don't know if we talk about it as much. Okay. I, mean, I thought it was an honorary thing. By also, by the way, I said if anything happens, God forbid. Um, is I, that what it is? <laughs> so, Wait, you're the godparent? <laughs> this, you this thought you're only going to take over Johnny? Yes. And <laughs> this will spur on conversation for later on. Just so you know, I look at it as an honorary thing, so I get to get, have gifts and pray. And I do get to call and, like, you know, speak at their lives, and I, I enjoy Amanda, all that. Amanda, call me. But if anything happens, I love you guys. We'll help them find a home. I, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, need, we need to wrap up. Amanda, but, I can be the godparent to the yeah. other seven. Uh, can I just say this as a non-parent? If you're a parent listening, you're doing better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. can imagine that parents in this day and age would be um, just so overwhelmed. And uh, I, I know mom guilt's a thing and dad guilt's a thing. And, and, and I did hear one other thing that, so it's so funny. You're talking about five-year vision. Uh, I, I've spent some time over the weekend. This is the Enneagram 3 and me writing out 10-year, five-year, one-year vision. And one of the things I wrote, you know, if, if, if it does happen to be in the cards, that, that I'll be a biological parent one day. One of the things I wrote, I heard both Chris Hodges and Craig Rochelle say, is uh, a win, what they consider a win in parenting is if they parent and discipline and do all those things that a responsible parent should do, but if they do it in such a healthy relational context that when their kids are older and don't have to come back around, they want to. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that made it onto my vision list is I, I want to, I would love, and this is why I think this is, this conversation is so good, even for me, just cause I, I want to take notes from you guys. I want to be the kind of parent one day that parents responsibly raises up world changers, but it, the relationship so healthy and full of joy and love that when they grow up and and get older they want to come back mm-hmm. and uh and and I just thank you guys for the wisdom that you've shared and I would just love maybe for you to finish off by any parent listening especially in the nightmare of 2020 that you guys still make look effortless um even in the pandemic 
in quarantine, and that was a whole other fun conversation we were having yesterday about watching you in quarantine. You introvert. You loved it. <laughs> you, lo- not the pandemic, but you loved getting oh, to. I was staying home all the time. It was incredible. <laughs> Your bigger adjustment was coming when back quarantine happened. Yeah, when coming back, not to. Um, yeah. But wherever anybody is, like, just what would, how could you encourage uh, just the discouraged mom, maybe the single mom, maybe uh, the single dad, maybe just the, the everyday parent that's trying to make ends meet and it's like, I'm not a good teacher and I don't know where all the money's going to come from and I don't feel like I'm good enough and I hear you guys say all these things and they sound amazing, but I feel like if that's the end zone, I am still on yard 10. Like, mm. what just... Um, I'm going to speak to moms. How about that? You speak to dads. Okay. Um, I want to say, I, the, especially here in this community, the overwhelming amount of amazing moms. It's just mm. so inspiring to me to, to watch the love and the intentionality that goes on into the parenting of moms around here. And if you are feeling discouraged, you are in good company. I'm absolutely <laughs> discouraged with you. I'm frustrated. <laughs> um, but I just want to say, l- let's just take the pandi- tim- pandemic, for example. Slow down. Um, show yourself grace. It, get some rest. Uh, just take it. Honestly, if you had to take it minute by minute, take it minute by minute, mm. the days that you have to take it minute by minute, and everything is going to work itself out. Instead of saying during this pandemic, oh, just for example, five minutes before I, I got here, I was helping my son with the seven parts of a, I don't know, cell plasm. I don't know. Don't correct me on that. I still don't know. Clearly, I didn't do the assignment well. But the bigger picture is, mm-hmm. rather than frustrated about that, I drove here and thought, I just got to share that with my 11-year-old. And we laughed about how mom doesn't know how to pronounce stuff. Would I have ever gotten that if he was in school five days a week? I wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And so if you just change your perspective, that there is so many positives to pull out of this, instead of it, it is demoralizing to know that you don't know how to do sixth grade algebra. It's, <laughs> it, it's, I just walk away defeated. But the, the I big, for sure don't. Oh, things have changed a lot <laughs> since I was in sixth grade. And so the bigger picture is, I got this moment with my son that cannot be replaced. It can never be taken away. And that is the bigger picture. And we will, in 2030, 2020 is going to seem this big. Mm. This is, this has been a microcosm of the impact that you're making on your kids. This is not it. This is, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Mm. It's good. That's great. I think uh, my two cents would be, uh, be confident, Mm -hmm. be confident in yourself as a parent. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're not a, a faith person, then you can eat the fish and spit out the bones of what I'm about to say. But when God was knitting your child together, he had you in mind wow, as their good. parent. You're not yeah. their parent on accident. It's not just a lottery that, oh, mm. I got this kid. God chose that kid for you. Mm. Chose you to be their parent. Yeah. Whether, <laughs> whether your child was an accident or intentional, mm. you're their parent yeah. on purpose and yeah. for a purpose. Uh, and so live in the confidence of that. Here's what I'm hearing. You are a parent on purpose for a purpose. So let's take all of Becca and Jesse's advice and let's pastor on purpose. Let's pastor parent, parent, I'm just Freudian. Um, let's parent intentionally mm-hmm. and, uh, and know that as your parent intentionally, you will not be perfect. Uh, but 
fortunate thing if you're a parent in 2020 is you're all hacking through the same jungle together mm-hmm. and we're going to get past it together and find a community, mm-hmm. find people like this mm-hmm. that you can surround yourself with and learn and bear each other's burdens and don't do it alone. Don't no. try to parent alone. Yep. Um, but man, what a day. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know this mm-hmm. is going to be so helpful to so many people listening in. And so thank you to everyone who has been listening in to the X podcast as always we would love your feedback so rate review subscribe and send us an email we want to know any other questions follow the questions you have that this spurred on or about any other topic life culture spirituality politics we may get controversial again soon who knows uh but send us an email at podcast at the x dot church that's podcast at the x dot church jesse becca thank you so much thank you it was fun it was a lot of fun learned a lot let's do it again yeah part two Part two.